Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. And the other firm, sturdy leg to this tripod, Turgid. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Just the firmest. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. So, uh, gentlemen, how are you doing? Oh, man. Living the dream. Mm-hmm. Living the dream. You know, maybe Brian isn't here because he's looking at the viability of sending uh, two pies to Northern California. <laughs> because my friend, that sound you hear is not an old clock. It is indeed the time ticking away on Andrew Maine's bet. It appears that Starship made a good go of it, but there was an unscheduled rapid disassembly uh, uh, in, in, in the middle of the sky. That's how rocket science goes. But for you, Andrew Maine, you doubled down and now it looks as if you've come up on the short end of the stick. What say you? Did I, if I recall, Bryce didn't you offer to take the pies to the face? I think I offered to take the nothing. If you managed to eke out of the 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 nothing part of the double or nothing, I would take the pie so that we could have content. Okay. Well, as you know, because you guys decided not to have a show last week, the whole bet's null and void. I will make my donation. <laughs> I, I like that nobody cares about the $1,000 donation. No, no that's fine. fine. The orphans will, will make do. We need internet humiliation. No. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Uh, it seems like you uh, got we, one last chance, possibly. There's two more days. It's two more days. It's, you know, if he can fix the hole and, you know, the launch pad and get another thing out on there for the next 48 hours, uh, who will be eating pie then? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Is there anybody uh, in Boca Chica, Texas uh, listed on Yelp for rapid launch pad repair? Or lemon pie. 24, so- 24 hour launch pad repair <laughs> guaranteed. So, uh, yes, I will be making good on that. Uh, a promise is a promise. I guess. Uh, <laughs> but focusing on the launch, it was interesting because SpaceX's biggest concern was, hey, we want to launch this. We don't want to destroy what they call stage zero, which is the launch pad. Yeah. And mm-hmm. There was a big crater carved out when you launched the world's most powerful rocket. Apparently, it is also the world's most powerful ditch digger. Yeah. And it carved out a good chunk of concrete and everything else underneath there. Oh my God. Some problems. Yeah. That's a crater. Uh, But to be, to be honest with you, the biggest fear was the, an explosion taking out the tower and all of that and and everything else there. This was not an optimum outcome for the launch pad, but it was not their worst case scenario. In fact, this, this starship and booster that they launched was actually one that they have, they, the next one, and remember SpaceX is building, they have a factory producing these things sequentially. This one was one that they were like, kind of like, well, we've already improved it. The next one has a lot more improvements and that's ready to go. Uh, we can just dismantle this. And they're like, yeah, we could just launch it. And so they decided, they made the decision to launch it, even though they knew they already had improvements on this. And this was sort of kind of a bit outdated, which just shows you the SpaceX process. Yeah. And, for a, uh, it was a really good, you know, I think for them experience to see like, yeah, maybe we need a flame trench or maybe we need to do more to sort of cool things down. They had diverters. There are other things they could do. Of course, cost is everything. So um, they're going to, you know, basically, I think, iterate quickly. It wouldn't surprise me if we see something again in the next few months. Um, but uh, uh, I feel confident about that, but I don't think we should do triple or down. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not allowing. I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm the content <laughs> sheriff, and I'm, I'm finally stepping in and saying <laughs> we have to pay this off. <laughs> that would be the lamest if it was a triple down. What was your skin on this, Justin? What was your skin on the game on this? Uh, I'm the people's, the people's champion okay. that makes sure that they get payoff <laughs> to the bits that are set up. That's right. 
I'm not going to get snookered here. <laughs> oh, no. All right. All right. There's going to be no snookering going on, going on. This is going down. You're going to get two pies to the face and you're going to pay. I don't know what, what it, it Brian's a hundred, a thousand dollars. Yeah. A thousand dollars to a charity. And I'm sure it'll be a great charity. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, being the only one that's optimistic in Roots for Space, this is the price I have to pay. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And we thank you for your service. Uh, uh, so so right now, the next timetable then on this will be in, in the next few months. We're, we're not looking at anything in the, in the immediate, uh, like, like, you know, May range, are we? I would be surprised because that, that they got to fix that giant hole in the ground. Yeah. Granted, it's a hole. It's not the biggest thing, but I think that that also means diverter. But I would be, I do not think we'll get anything up in May. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that for them, remember, uh, by all accounts, you know, the the largest rocket ever made took off. They they got a lot. We've seen the upper stage do its, you know, the Starship stop. We've seen that kind of do its, its descent. And it was, I think... You know, the, the, I still don't know if we know. I think the problem may very well have been. I think what it was is if you go watch the flight thing in the corner, because they've got like, I don't know, like 31 engines on it, they yeah. actually show you a diagram and you can see in the corner as these engines start to fail. Mm. And if you go back and you watch when it takes off, you see all this debris blast back up in there. And like even at takeoff, you can see there's two engines that are out that are next to another. There's a center engine that went out. And so it seems very likely that what happened was that it just blew debris back up in there. People are saying that the dust clouds went miles away and some like neighborhoods have been covered in, in grit. Yeah. So it clearly put several tons of rock into the air they didn't intend to. But yeah, if you just watch the ascent of the thing and look at that left diagram. Yeah, it starts see, off with three, um, three of the boosters out or three of the engines. Yeah, if you scroll ahead, you'll start to see a little while more. Um, so after about a yeah. minute, it looks like a fourth and a fifth there's one. There's another one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. After about two minutes, there's a set, about six of them out. Uh, some of them coming back oh. online after after that second minute or that so. That could but, just be, yeah, sensor data, but yeah. So the fact that two went out right next to each other could suggest it was damage that hit both of them. Yeah. But in any event, uh, it looks like it. what it was was, yeah, it's, it's too damn powerful. It's yeah. too damn powerful. And that's you know they're literally in uncharted waters, right? This is this yeah. is how you uh, this is how you find out. Uh, I've, I've got a question. Maybe maybe you do or don't know about this, but I saw scuttlebutt about a f a fire diverter, a flame diverter, um, so, some some sort of design, uh, some launch pad design yeah. that maybe could alleviate this issue in the future. Yeah. Well, so what that is, if you look at like the way. Uh, the other rockets take off. Like if you go look at like the uh, the SLS or whatever, they put it up on top of this platform and it's high up. And then you can have basically imagine just like a wedge that just sort of takes that thrust and throws it sideways. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what it is. You take this wedge, you start flooding it with water if you you know to cool it down. But then if you look at the the launch platform itself, you'll see if you look at like. Uh, you want to look for like a big broader image of this because sometimes you'll just see that just a side the smoke going sideways. Um, so, but, but yeah, that that's one of the things is that cost. That was why they 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 thought that hey we can get away with this, and then they're like oh yeah. Uh, Doctor Chiron says even SLS had some damage to the pad, but that was minor. Doctor Chiron, what do you want to guess the over under us on whose whose damage will be the most expensive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they, 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 the 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 SLS doesn't do anything uh, cheap. First class, first class for the SLS. Yeah, yeah, there it is. You see down below that you see on the on the lower left of the left side image, you see that smoke coming out sideways. Yeah, and then what you're looking at below. So, yeah, um, because I, I there was also that footage of um, the folks who were allowed to put their unmanned cameras in in that danger zone with that uh that minivan that that got was art was they were gonna destroy that van anyway um whoo a lot of smoke hey it's uh uh it definitely seems yeah. like a uh, natural disaster taking off and less like a rocket launch um oh yeah i mean you look at the si you look at the size of that hole and you have to imagine every ounce of that got launched or vaporized into smaller particles and sent somewhere. 
Yeah. Just pulverized. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, you can see the tanks. You see those tanks there? Those got dented by debris, debris that hit them. Wow. Jeez. I, how, how do you, how would you make this, is, is the response to make this all more resilient, to make this stuff out of steel and unobtainium, or to make this stuff more disposable? No, it, it literally, literally, literally what it is, is you've got, you've got your launch pad here, yeah. you've got your rocket here, and all that pressure is just going to hitting, just hitting that surface, right? Yeah. If you put a wedge, like a diverter, it goes, has somewhere to go. All it did was, to, it just kept hitting there and going straight out. And just hit that, and then it just heated up, and then it just started to pulverize and expand and get thrown everywhere. So if you put, let's say, like a wedge shape underneath there, okay? So the flames would hit that and then go somewhere else, go sideways. They go further out, and they can dissipate over time. You could put that in there, put more water in, et cetera. So, but it's also, it's a very helpful sort of example to see, you know, when this thing goes to the moon, you know, or when it goes to Mars and it takes off from there. What do they need to do about a launch pad? Yeah. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. There's a flame diverter. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, what do you do about it when you need to go to Mars? And well, well, well first, remember, first, they, first know what you're going to do on Earth, I would imagine, <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, adjust for Mars. <laughs> well, remember, both Mars and Moon have much less gravity. You know, so the Moon, you're like, you know, 1 16th, you know, Mars at 1 third gravity. So you're, there's not going to be this much thrust. It'll be the upper stage that's taking off from there. There's, I think for, I think for the Mars thing, I think they're talking about like having like thrusters that are kind of an upper level ring or something like that. So, yeah, uh, I think that they're going to uh, basically, you know, again, take this into account. Sure. Yeah. It's a. Uh, uh, it's it's interesting. I guess it, it's it's all these little things you don't expect out of out of out of a launch um pro progress evolution right yeah the engines get bigger and so numerous that it just destroys the concrete or it the, you know it, any number of things like it it's the scale of it is is so big that we're seeing new wrinkles and that's interesting yeah and a, th and a thing to think about too is that is that once you solve a technical challenge we forget that that was ever a challenge you know an example like if you take a look at your iphone and you look at the touch display hmm. these touch displays are amazing Right, I mean, they're so sensitive. You can you can draw with your finger and whatnot. Multi-touch. You know, in my in my adult lifetime, that wasn't the case. Is capacitance, you know, interfaces, and particularly the idea that you could touch a screen and have it be that precise. Yeah, wasn't a technology, and now it's of course, it's obviously, of course, you can draw with your finger and you can do this sort of stuff. With this, one of the things that people were kept talking about was thirty-one engines firing simultaneously. That never happened before. And, you know, the Russians had their biggest rocket they ever tried building had approximately that the uh, the N1 or whatever had like like that almost that many rocket engines. And that was to light that thing literally was a nightmare. They had to use this toxic fuels where the guys had to wear, you know, flame proof suits and respirators, anything else like this. And they had to like light these put these little canisters in there. It was terrifying. And this is just such a dramatically improved thing that nobody's like, you know, after Falcon Heavy took off with 27 engines, now it's like, you know, 31, whatever, like, yeah, of course, it's a dump, you can do it. And it's like, wait, no, nobody ever did that before. That was never done before. And now SpaceX, Falcon Heavy has taken off multiple times. And here they got those engines to fire until they got hit by their own like, debris. But yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> they were too good, too good at getting them to fire. Yeah. They fired too much. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it'll be uh, in the time frame of months before we see, uh, another test of I, I think, Starship. Yeah. We, we should probably keep an eye on just those infrastructure repairs. And, and as, as that happens, that'll probably be the guide, right? There, there, uh, uh, Dr. Karin points out Raptor, which is the engine that powers the Starship or the booster is much more powerful than the Merlin. Absolutely. It is substantially, if you compare the size to them. It's not just that like there's 31 of them versus 27 of them. Yeah. These things are ginormous. SpaceX says twice the thrust uh, the Raptor engines have over the Merlin engine. Damn. Um, wow. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. That's a lot of hooch. Uh, so, so there we go. A colorful lesson, but a lesson nonetheless. And consequences mm. for all well, I'll, I'll give you one more thing. Bet. Boeing Starliner. Uh-huh. 
Boeing Starliner was is the spacecraft to carry U.S. astronauts into space. Remember, there was a competition who would get up there first. Yep, Crew Dragon or Boeing Starliner, <laughs> and mm-hmm. now Crew Dragon has uh, made a bazillion trips back and forth to the space station, and Starliner has yet to carry human passengers. Wow, really? I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still, still nobody there. And so the question, people, the first question was, oh. Which is going to happen first, uh, Dra- Crew Dragon or Starliner going to the ISS? And people are like, ah, oh, Boeing's got a history of this, whatever, it's going to be Starliner. And then, well, it turned out it was Crew Dragon. Yeah. Then it was like, okay, what's going to happen first? Uh, we see you know, an upper stage starship take off and land or Starliner. <laughs> and then we saw the upper stage of starship take off and land. And then now the question has been, oh, are we going to see a, you know, a full flight of Starship before Starliner? Mm, maybe. Yeah, I wonder. Um, does yeah. Boeing tend to do, I, I guess that with, with SpaceX, there's, uh, I get the sense as an outsider that like, oh, they're kind of doing this out in public, right? Like they're kind of owning the mistakes. They're owning the uh, sudden <laughs> depressurizations. Um, but they're, but we are seeing them take those steps, you know, week after week, month after month, whatever, where, you know, we don't really follow the, we don't see Boeing news. We don't, you know, like you mentioned, there's not been a major update with Starliner. Is that a secrecy thing? Is that a culture thing or is Boeing? No, it's just not as, it doesn't get as much attention. So what happens with Starliner is that they do tests and the tests are public and NASA monitors them. And I, I think I'm correct on this. Like the problem they had before was like the first time they did a success a test, not all the spaceship, the parachutes deployed, oh, shoot. but it landed safely. And like, they're like, oh, that's fine. It's like, NASA's like, are you sure that's good? And sure then, about that? Still, <laughs> you sure? Yeah. Like, like, well, people, people would have been fine. Like we need a higher metric than that. Yeah. And so, you know, dealing with the challenges of, of that. Yeah. So they've been out there. Uh, there is a uh, Tesla has a better marketing team. Wrong company. And uh, I, I, I think the fact that Crew Dragon is taking people to the space station and Starliner is not is kind of the best marketing you could ask for. But yeah, here's uh, here's the question that's being asked: Is will Boeing's $4.3 billion Starliner ever get astronauts to space. Remember, Boeing Ooh. had more money. Yeah. Yeah. So, Billy. And, and let's be clear. I don't think this has anything to do with the engineering talent of Boeing sure. at all. It, it is it is an organizational structure. It's a management structure. It's just a way that they're de- they're designed. Um, so it is, it is it, every time we knock stuff like that, well, I want to be very clear. And, and like, you know, we've had a number of like small, some other space company startups that have just failed. And and I don't think it was for lack of brilliant people there. It's just can be engineering. It can be structure. It can be a lot of things. And so, yeah. I mean, Hey, this uh, stuff is extraordinarily hard. It's very complicated. It's very costly. Obviously money is not a problem for Boeing, nor is their ability to pay for and retain talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also well, it's well, actually money is in a sense because SpaceX can go out and say, Hey, to their investors, we're, we want to raise $10 billion. You know, we're going to give you this many shares on this much valuation and it's going to be high risk. You know, we may not succeed and they can offer really cool returns. Boeing doesn't have that sort of leverage. You know, yeah. Boeing mm-hmm. is like the predictable government contract stuff. They're probably going to lose money on Starliner. I think they are. They're, this is a thing that's lose, they're losing money on, but if they run away from it, Nobody will ever trust them again with a contract. So, yeah, it's all sunk. I uh, mean, it's it's kind of the yeah. sunk cost sunk cost fallacy, but also like it's been an investment in all of these projects. It's not it. It's going to be tough to. Uh, yeah, well, because yeah, yeah, they're, the government they're 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 going to have a really difficult time getting other other government contracts if they if they know that the reputations they're going to spend the money and fail and never do anything. So yeah, uh, but meanwhile too, like although it was it was a lot Star- easier back when you know there was all this press attention that would like make a lot of these things where they would spend a bunch of money and fail and not deliver what they were going to, uh, you know, normally those things could be quiet, you know, just be, you know, a little, a little, uh, a recrimination at a DC, uh, cocktail party. And now it's, 
international news and, yeah. and people are dedicated yeah. to covering exactly the like by the day here's how long it took before this uh, uh this thing happened you know in, in the past you could just say I, we're working on it diligently but now people are like using drones and getting footage of test facilities and things like it's people really want to follow this yeah two two things to think about one is uh lift off the book by eric berger about spacex is really worth reading because one of the things you see in there is the efforts by Boeing and other people, other companies and people within the government to stop SpaceX, to prevent SpaceX from succeeding for a variety of reasons, sometimes because they just look like kind of high risk cowboys. Sometimes it was corruption. Sometimes it was just protecting their own backyard, whatever. Had they succeeded and SpaceX was not here today, the total we would be in a very strong we would have no way to get astronauts to the International Space Station other than. Going to the Russians, which I don't know if you've heard, is a things, little bit. Things of aren't issue. things aren't great. Yeah, not great, yeah, Bob. Would They're busy over there. Our 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 heavy lift capabilities would be extremely limited. There's just it would just be we would be the the advantage SpaceX has given us for a space etc. is insane. It is really you know it, it really can't be understated you know overstated rather of how much different geopolitically things would look, how much military defense would look like, all that if SpaceX did not exist. And it's a you know, careful th you know, thing to think about. And it, it's, uh, anyhow, um, mm. very, very interesting situation. And like now, and I, it's like, I, I'm glad to pay for Starlink, you know, me yeah. and, you know, Space Force. Well, here's what you can pay for, dear listener. What? Us. Oh. Buy a oh. piece of our soul. Patreon.com slash weird things. <laughs> That's where you can support this very show. It's where you can get our after things program before anybody gets our after things program. You get your own custom RSS feed and you get a little bit of self-satisfaction. Let your... You know, th don't do it for us. Don't do it for me. Do it for you. Do it for you. That listen. you l listen to this and you want to make sure that it keeps going. You. Please head on over there right now. Patreon.com slash weird things. Oh. <laughs> well, there has been quite a lot going on in the world of generative AI lately. Mm-hmm. Indeed. People, people love it. They put it on Snapchat. Snapchat got an AI thing now. Snapchat Diz. Uh, yeah. What have you been following, like the image generation stuff and like video uh, style, et cetera? I don't know if you've seen like the new uh, Gen 1 from Runway. I did see this. Did you see this? Uh, no. So, you know, we've talked before about like, especially Brian's talked about like, hey, what if you just typed in a thing and it would make like a video for you or it would ch edit a video for you? That is basically what this Runway does to a very specific degree, right? Andrew? Yeah, the Gen 1, what it does is you give it a video input and then you tell it what style to output. And so think I'll transfer for images and it's now applied to video. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up the... Uh, the, the so this is Runway that, uh, that are, have made this model? Question mark. Um, uh, and, and now they're promoting their Gen 2 next version of this. Oh, yeah. Um, but the idea is you just... Um, you you type in a thing and it generates it for you. I saw an app on the iPhone. I don't know if it was the same thing, but it was it was similar in that you had to shoot. You could, it was only five seconds. It would only work for up to five seconds of video, and you'd have to send it off for their their servers to to do the processing. Um, but um, I, I'm I'm interested in this because this is going to be the next thing of just type type in a thing and now we'll generate video like we would generate. Uh, Images. Oh damn! So we're, wow, uh, uh, we're looking at a video. That, that, here. Yeah, the, a video of a car seemingly in like a flat desert plain, but the uh, point of view is swirling all around it. Um, yeah, that's that's a uh, uh, pretty pretty amazing. Uh, just in terms of, I guess, really the big question is is exactly you know what what prompts are you using to uh to, to to get there but there's no doubt that the the stuff that is cooking is amazing like it is it is truly truly remarkable and 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 accessible that's the other thing is that it, it is it is so accessible you know i was talking about this on daily tech news show the other day that one of the things that really 
to me is the mark of a lot of these AI advancements being worth it and, and demonstrating how special everything is, is that it immediately makes a lot of other stuff look very stupid immediately in the way that like <laughs> the iPhone, the second that Steve Jobs flicked his finger up and showed that kind of touch interface, the phone you had looked dumb. Like mm. it was just like, oh, that's that's a okay, cool. It's obsolescence. It, 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 it's changed. Obsolete. It changed forever. I've seen it yeah. once. I touched it once. Now everything else is dumb. And uh, uh, you know, oh no, no, it wasn't on DTNS. It was on the Bones yesterday. Oh yeah. That like, you know, now Chat GPT is so good. I find myself being extraordinarily frustrated with all of my voice assistants. Oh, really? Like, I, it is like, this is the dumbest DOS. Like, uh, uh, like if you don't type it exactly the right way, it doesn't work uh, uh, solution. Whereas it's like, I, I just cannot wait for all these things to get updated immediately. Yeah. Immediately, I need them to be updated. Because it's, it's, it's accessible, it's easy to use, right? Type a prompt, get a thing. And all of these systems are getting better. And also, it's like I know the, that once it, once I'm able to just talk to it, it'll be even better, yeah. right? There's no, there's no reason why that that I mean, it is a voice assistant. We've seen applications of it becoming a voice assistant, and it's insanely capable. And the just the the actual execution, the rendering of these things will only get better. I, I oh, think that's yeah. the most exciting thing is that this is probably the worst this technology is going to be. Uh, for the rest of our life, this stuff will get better, easier, faster, quicker, uh, cheaper, freer, um, more permissible. Socially, will be more understood and and will be less boundary breaking or, or line crossing um, than it is today. I mean, this is I, I, stop me if I'm being starry eyed, but this is all of this stuff is so exciting. It it really feels like uh, a huge. The huge time in history. Everything is going to get a chat interface built into it. Yeah. And sometimes, no, they're not, it needs it. And sometimes it'll be a dumb chat. That will be the thing you're going to see. In some cases, will be like, uh, you know, sometimes people are going to shove that into devices and not use a really good back end. Sometimes they'll use a good one. Sometimes it'll be, it'll be silly. But expect Every I, I now get upset when I just can't use, you know, chat GPT and something because I can see how much it can control. Yeah. And um, did we did opening? I announced um, uh, we talked about plugins and I think we mm. talked about um, code interpreter. I and what yeah, makes those I things have really my access to plugins. <laughs> uh, there's another member of this show. Oh. I will uh, not name. Oh, him. yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, he was very upset because he did not have access. And so I used OpenTable uh, uh, to book a lovely Mediterranean uh, lunch for two for me and Bryce. That's right. It was delicious. I got my tzatziki sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other person yeah. who doesn't have the plug-in access, I don't know what he did. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know what he's who up knows? to. Who knows? In fact, we were we were speculating about this on, the, on that bonus episode because the app's adding apps to chat GPT feels like the feels like such a major increase in functionality that if you had something like Siri, which has had all these years of building app integrations, even if the voice recognition, the command recognition is not great, has a system to do similar things, to interface with apps, third-party apps that yeah. could, if Apple ever does it, could blow the doors open on a, on an AI sort of thing like this. Yeah, I say, yeah, Apple <laughs> Apple deals with the challenge. Like there was an article that came out about kind of like frustrations within the Siri team and whatnot about things. And they were very early on in that space, same as uh, Amazon. And the challenge is, is they've built these devices and these infrastructure that are kind of really 15-year-old technology. Yeah. If you really look at the state of yeah. the art on that, it's 15-year-old technology. And not that they don't have the capability to catch up, which I expect they will, but it's just, it is a lot more inertia. And a lot of it's, there's teams and stuff that we're working on some stuff that it's like, okay, everything you did now. And that, that's been, you know, there's been this sort of thing that like in the NLP research, natural language processing that uh, with 
that like chat GPT and all this sort of stuff just kind of destroyed that, which isn't really true. There's still a lot of really interesting cases, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll actually, if I could screen share, if, uh, a while ago, you know, I got into the whole idea of like building, ignore my embarrassment, my, Twenty years out of date list of apps of sites at the top. Uh, I was playing around a while ago the idea of you know speed reading, right? Working on like a speed yeah. reading app and improving it and doing something that was you know that chunked and whatever. And I came up with a simple sort of algorithm a while ago because I read some studies from like the seventies that talked about how there's rapid serial visualization is where you present one word at a time. Right. And you can do that in like your Kindle, like a Kindle fire device is you can go into a mode. It won't do it on the, the e-ink one because it just would work with display, but the Kindle fire, you can flash one word at a time and read really fast. Right. Yeah. But research shows that chunking is actually more efficient, like grouping a couple more words together. So a while ago, you know, like last year or whatever, I got bored and I started working on an algorithm to kind of do that, to do the chunking and built an application to do it. Hmm. And I spent weeks and weeks on it. And then I was sitting here thinking, man, let me use the, the code interpreter model to see how quickly I could spin something up like that again, yeah. starting from scratch and not using anything. I had it in a few hours. Wow. Like, re wow. Rebuilt it. I explained it. Like the you built the algorithm and all that. The algorithm needs some improvement, but I can go in there and say tweak this, tweak that. So this is like a simple app that like if you just – Upload a text file. Mm. Uh, I actually put in, I think, the chronological man in there. Huh. You you get this, and you can adjust the speed. Across the mic right? Right? It took wow. me a while. I had to go iterate on it to see, like, right now you're at 600 words per minute. I had to iterate on it to, like, figure it out. You'll see that, like, I've got to tell, like, to fix question marks and stuff. But holy cow, just to be able to say, hey, uh, periods are getting dropped off. Improve the algorithm. Do that. Yeah. You know? And then I built uh, another one that was... Uh, I'll test it for you right now. I was actually thinking about making this into a other one. I'm going to, all right. Okay. See the screen now? Yeah. Speed reader. Oh, yeah, you've got no, a search, got you've added a search I'm, box. I, to Wikipedia. Oh, and so, oh damn. so, so this will pull up the Wikipedia extract. Bram Stoker published enough. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Vector, I'll just like to say right. this so, is... anyhow, I'll make this available to people here. I'll put we'll put up a link up eventually for this, basically. But the idea is, I think I was trying to get across. So let's see how fast we're. At. That was 422 words per minute, and that was readable. Um, I just literally this while we were on while I was on the microphone with you, Bryce. I added that Wikipedia feature. No kidding. I, I said, hey, add take. I said, take this existing code. Now I just want to be able to go to Wikipedia and get it, and and it figured out how to pull up from the Wikipedia extracts. Literally on the time that we started this call, I added this. Holy crap. Holy dang. actual crap. Yeah, that's Jiminy. That is the world we live in. So my next step <laughs> is I'm gonna add some tweaks. That the thing I showed you is it's perfectly fine. There's a little couple like CSS tweaks and stuff, but it's yeah. like, you know, I'm ready to put that up on a website. Like, hey, read Wikipedia extracts, you know, Wikipedia as fast yeah. as you want, you know, like this, be a fun thing. But as an experiment, I'm gonna probably take that code next and say, hey, here's this single page web app I made, turn this into Swift UI. Oh, yeah. Okay. Code conversion. Now, oh my God, AI is as your code porter. Oh my God. Yeah, it's been doing that, but 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 like like literally I could probably, I, I know a couple tricks that I'll have to pu publish for people, other people don't know. I know a couple tricks to like just get it to be dramatically better, but yeah. um, I had to turn in my book, the, the latest Sloan McPherson book, which will be coming out next year. Ooh. And I always turn in these really rough drafts and I always feel horrible because I have horrible misspellings. <laughs> so I built a script using, we have a long context version of GPT-4, which we're rolling out, which goes up to 25,000 words. Wow. And so I oh. built an application that would grab just to take a chapter at a time, but was able, because a chapter could be, you know, 2,000, 4,000 words, whatever, would take a chapter at a time and make a list of the corrections it was going to make and then output a corrected version of that. So wow. I turned in, my manuscript was edited by GPT-4. <gasps> That's wild. And I used it, the amount of times I used ChatGPT to do research, because this one involves a lot of cave diving, and I'm not a cave diver. I'm a diver, but not a cave diver. And I would be asking questions about this, tell me how this formed and whatever. I could even go into it and say, hey, 
draw me a diagram in ASCII of what this cave, because I put in an article about a cave system. I said, draw me a diagram of what this looks like. Yeah. Nuts. And it gave it to me. I've seen, uh, so, Annalisa was telling me that people have used ChatGPT to come up with um, uh, stitching patterns. It will, oh, yeah. it will make, yeah. it will design patterns and it'll put them in Unicode so you can just follow the pattern like it there uh, uh it's so cool it's so I, easy I, to get spun up I, about it but it's so exciting but and, it, and it's also it's one of these things is that when you look at a lot of times people go play with it and they'll go okay that's cool then they'll walk away but once you figure out how it fits into your workflow like i know justin has i don't mm -hmm. know where you are with it with bryce but once you and also like i had i was i give a lot of feedback internally because i'm one of the one of the uh, biggest users of this stuff internally. Uh, but you just, once you find that workflow for it, you know, and it's just, it's amazing. Like my productivity is through the roof, almost to the point that I'm not productive because I'm always just playing. Like I was building, as I was building that word app, the speed read app yesterday, I was also building another one to just outline my books and do character extraction and all this sort of stuff. And you can start doing two things at once. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I think there was a clip, this might have been two weeks ago now, but it was uh, 60 Minutes. At the end of the 60 Minutes broadcast, they kind of made this very, like, formal moment of, like, you might be hearing more about this in the in the coming weeks, but this episode was 100% written and edited by humans. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't. And then, it and, then, wasn't. And, then, and then all of a sudden you it wasn't? slowly zoom in and Morley Safer's hand has six fingers oh, and no! you're like, no! <laughs> Tick, 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 tick. Uh, so I are they telling us that nobody used Grammarly or Google Doc with an AI spell checker yeah. in there? Yeah, it's just, wow. uh, I, yeah, this is a dumb. I mean, we're gonna get this is gonna be the conversation. It's gonna be the thing, and we're already seeing it. It came for the artists first. The artists were the first ones that were really, really butthurt about about AI, and and they will not be the last. But what I'm saying oh, is yeah. that I don't know that that's not not in 60 minutes at all, but. Do do you not people go like oh we don't want to use AI like okay so you know your spell checker like modern spell checkers use AI yeah. algorithms and ML to do that and you know like the auto suggest the next word that's an AI system so what do you mean when you say you did every word when you didn't actually do every word I think this is an elementary understanding of this it's a misunderstanding of what AI is I mean if you if you spend a lot of time with it you understand that it is a tool it's an extraordinarily powerful tool but it's not a magic box and that's the biggest thing that I think a has always been the idea of AI and it comes from our decades and decades if not hundreds of years of mythology and legacy of what happens when the machine gets too powerful and the machine has many metaphors right mm. but what we are seeing now, while certainly something that has the capability, much in the same way that, you know, when we invented the personal computer, the, 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 you know, eventual end point of what would happen with it was something for which you could create a very scary picture. AI certainly does have a very scary picture if you draw the lines in the wrong direction. And uh, I heard a clip from uh, Sam Harris on Barry Weiss's podcast, you know, kind of putting a, a voice to that. Oh, not Sam Harris, uh, 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 the CEO of OpenAI, uh, Sam, Sam Altman. Altman. Sam Altman on on uh, on Barry Weiss's podcast saying, like, you know, there is obviously a a you know a, an extraordinarily positive side that AI can can do. There's there's a negative side. So like, not to take anything away from it, but at this stage right now, and I will say going forward that for us to properly understand and put into context. This is not a magic box. This yeah. is this is a powerful, powerful, amazing tool, but it doesn't, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of people telling on themselves. It's not a know. demon. It's, it's, yeah. Um, here's that 60 Minutes clip. It's, well, or, uh, <laughs> our salt I mean, budget's going way up. At OpenAI, we don't talk about. <laughs> um, so um, this was the, at the end of their AI uh, um, piece, I guess. Uh, let's see here. And so on. And I think we have to be very thoughtful. And I think these are all things society needs to figure out as we move along. It's not for a company to decide. We'll end with a note that has never appeared on 60 Minutes, but one in the AI revolution you may be hearing often. The proceeding was created with 100% 
human content. Mm, human content. <laughs> I love my human content. I know that that's where I would go to understand an emerging technology. 60 minutes. <laughs> 60 minutes. Oh, the bleeding edge with their with their fingers on the pulse of the bleeding edge. Yep. A television news magazine show. That's what you know, the a show that derives half of its yearly ratings from people who fall asleep watching football. <laughs> Leave it on. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've seen lately um more and more clips, more and more things are coming out that are fake. Like the 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 Pope in his we talked about Balenciaga Pope. Pope. Yep. Yep. Then uh there was another one, which I think it was I think an, an Italian politician walking down a carpet with a robot next to her. And people are like, Is this real? And it's like that literally was the demo robot from a new application that lets you insert digital characters. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was it was it's a startup of Steven Spielberg and other ones and it was just sort of funny. It's like, is this real? Like, uh, well, it's really odd that there's a walking robot that walks funny like that that looks exactly like the one in this, you know, AI this demo. Like, pull us up here. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Wonder Dynamics. Hmm. There we go. Um. And there, there was even all of this um, hubbub about that Drake song that was going around. Did you oh, see yeah. this? Well, Drake yeah. in the heart on, yeah. my, heart on my sleeve. Yeah, Drake the in the weekend. weekend. Uh, this, I do think we're we're gonna get into a a, a lot of very very interesting legal questions on on uh, this because uh, especially industries for which intellectual property is very specifically guarded and the money comes from the ownership and transmission of said property. Uh, they whether or not they are right, there is they are going to fight for 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 things like uh, for things like this. But all the subreddits, like I I belong to a few Kanye West subreddits, and then Reddit forces or, or recommends other musician subreddits oh. to me. Oh. Uh, but all those subreddits are filled filled with AI music, yeah. uh, and some of so them are. Drake's best rapping since for like 10 years. Like it's <laughs> awesome. Call it right now. Uh, AI music is going to be the file sharing wars of yep. your, and that is as much as the records and everybody wants to try to stop it. The tools, uh, they're going to be out the there. Tools are out there. They're open source. They're everywhere. They are not going to go away. Yeah. Which is great. I think, hey, put the screws to him. That's fine by me. That was, like, that was the first thing I saw when Drake Drake went on. For those of you who have not followed this story, so there is a uh, a, a Drake and the Weeknd collaboration. This is also fascinating because Drake and the Weeknd, both from Toronto, have not always seen eye to eye. Uh -oh. Like have this, so this them at the peak of their powers, uh, uh, doing a song together would be a big thing. Can we play a little clip here? Uh, did did you guys hear how they put this together? No. So the beat was uh, just a song that's on a beat marketplace. Yeah. Um, and then the singing and the raps were actually someone else's performance run through, similar to the to the TikTok one where it changes your voice based on how you speak. Um, so so somebody else was performing, and then they added they they put it through the Drake and the Drake weekend, and Weekend yeah. filter. Yeah. Yeah. So. This became very popular. This went viral. Uh, and uh, Drake puts on his Instagram stories. That's the last straw. And so uh, I think Universal Music or whoever uh, works with Drake then puts out a bunch of chest thumping uh, uh, you know, stuff about how they're going to sue for you know anything that's trained on their intellectual property. But I agree with Andrew. It felt... Very Lars Ulrich. It felt very <laughs> Metallica and Dr. Dre that like I can understand why they are fighting. I can understand their 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 stakeholding. But when this is out and it's just being put out for clout, like when it's just out there so people can can enjoy it and it's not 
uh, on the streaming services and stuff like that because they'll be able to choke it out on the streaming services. Yeah. Uh, but they will not just on the free and open internet. Uh, this is this is out of the bag. Like, uh, uh, congratulations. If you love an artist, you will never be without new music oh my from God. that artist. Oh, forever. my gosh. So there's a, there's a great singer that I like listening to. She's had like a 25-plus year history. Uh, but her voice has changed over the years. Yeah. Uh, um, she lost her hearing about a decade ago, and that makes it tough for you to keep pitching stuff. But imagining like, oh, my God, what if you could take her songs, train an AI model on the way she used to sound 15 or 20 years ago, take the acapella, run it through that, and then make new classic versions of these songs or so, something like, like there, there's a lot of, uh, the doors are open. I, I literally, I had this thing where I'm like, I've, there are a few people whose visions and, and ability to communicate I've, I greatly miss that are no longer with us. And two of them are, 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 are two of my favorite are stand-up comedian, Patrice O'Neill and thinker and author Christopher Hitchens, especially today, especially in these markets. I would love, I would love nothing more than to read a new Christopher Hitchens column. And I think I'm close. <laughs> like, I mean, like he, he's not uh, walking, he's not walking through that door anytime soon, but I can get diet Coke. Like I can, I can get, I, I can, can get ship it. it in. It's fine. It's brown and, and fizzy water. On the music note, I, I'm not going to uh, name names here. Okay. But a very famous person uh, had a conversation, and he has he is talked about him and some other people he named that they're all like, yeah, if we could, if they, he's eager to take his catalog and train on it and be able to create AI-generated stuff, and he would still be the person saying, yes, no, yes, yes, mm -hmm. this, like more of this, whatever. Uh, and I see that some are going to embrace this, and this person's notorious for embracing technologies and being ahead of the curve, and other people are not. And I yeah. think that's you're going to see that. You're going to see some artists, like I said, some artists oh. are going to be all for it. Other artists are. And having talked to like big name artists, you've yes, that, you you have just, you have talked to you have talked to names for which everybody knows, uh, man, in, in music I just, I, uh, that are that are into this. My point is, to say are, yes, yeah, very, yeah, 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 no, that are very, that are very pro into that are gigantic. The uh, firestorm yeah. of when uh, the next legendary musician passes away and their estate finishes demos with ML models. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like so, strike. That's that's, that's, that's on that, the surface. That, yeah. that's that's the lowest I, hanging fruit. Prince could I, have never have left a prediction. us. Oh. I have a prediction. All right, prick to okay. Streaming services were able to displace illegal file sharing because they had a low enough cost and they have a large enough catalog. Yeah. They got rid of the uncertainty. Now, artists are going to tell them, hey, I need you to pull this off of the service because it's a ripoff of me. And that's going to happen for a while. But then I think the services are going to go to the artists and say, what if every time somebody used your name in a song, mm -hmm. you got a percentage of well, it? Well, look, some artists, I mean, some, some artists that are big will be able to say, and not Drake, Taylor Swift, like there's a few big, big, big heavy hitters that still have enough clout at, at, the, at the labels. Mm -hmm. Here's what's going to happen. The labels don't care if you're the one who did it. In fact, they would love if open source, if everybody who loves you, your fans, as long as they get able, their money. Yes, that's the key. They gotta get the their key money. is the key is sure you might not like it as an artist. However, we like making money. We see a revenue stream here. So as long as the person who is uploading this stuff that trained it on your uh, stuff cuts me in as the label. A new future. Then, hey, that's new. Then they will be, and artists will be furious. Mm -hmm. It will be more of a reason to have them question what their relationship with their labels are. But uh, I do think that that this does feel Napster to me. It feels very Napster well, I think, to me. I, but I think that I think the clearest path for all is, let's say you're Spotify. You say, hey, we're going to allow, you go to the artist for a sec, we want to allow digital versions of this. The way we're going to do it when people upload it, and it's it'll say digital Drake or digital this or whatever. Digital Drake. You're going to get 50% or whatever of this is. So anytime somebody uses your name in the art in the style of artist whatever, you get a percentage. And that would yeah. be the thing. It's that you have to say in the style of this because for the person creating it, that's fine. I'm incentivized because I want to use that person, the artist that I'm emulating in the in the 
the metadata so I get found. If somebody just says, hey, this is a person that sounds a lot like Drake, but it's not Drake, then fine. Doesn't mention I, Drake I, or anything in there. I do think that musically, this is the dawn of sampling plus Napster. Like this is this yep. is something yep. that I I, I yep. feel like is going to materially affect art uh, as well as commerce in a way that we haven't seen really in our lifetime. To be totally honest with you, like like you what could, Na uh, Napster was commerce, sampling was art, and this is both of them together. If you did, if you got Beyonce, take all of her master tapes. At the stems, the acapellas, the beats, you could sell people on a Beyonce app. Like, hey, you want to stream Beyonce's yeah. catalog? And also, we'll just futz around and synthesize some in the style of Beyonce stuff. Like, you could take a you could take a huge name like that and do something like like I've known people who subscribe to Title just because it had the Beyonce catalog for like the two years it was exclusive. Yeah. Like, like there are some big names that are going to really push something like this in, in such a, a bespoke unique way. Um, yeah. Ah, ah, that's exciting. Ah, technology. Well, you want to know what else is exciting? Picks. Pick it up. Friends. Picks. Andrew, what are you picking? So... I finished Picard season three and it's a great tone. I can already tell you loved it. I loved it. It oh. was really well done. It was a great show, uh, but also they spent a lot of time with all the characters in a way that I thought that really showed them the best they've been presented since the TV series. And another thing is I really like the way the arcs played out and the structure and the thing I wish was, well, just more. I love Star Trek Picard. Picard season three, really enjoyed it. It's not going to say that it was perfect, but it was great. It was great. It was, uh, I did that tone with Brian the other day when we talked about it. Uh, people say, describe it as Dr. Karn says, I love Star Trek The Next Generation season nine. Like, yeah, like it is the movie we never got. Yeah. Despite all the other movies. Uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, I liked First Contact. That was fun. It moved, but yeah, I, I really, I really, like, season one, I kind of enjoyed more than other people I wasn't in love with, but there's a lot that I liked, and then it got weird. Season two was painful. It really, I could, I un, I didn't finish it, and I canceled my Paramount subscription, Ooh. and then I finally said, ah, uh, let me give Picard season three, because it was a new showrunner, ah. and so, uh, man, if you like Star Trek this generation, you could just jump right into Picard season three. Uh, having only seen the first episode of season three, I agree. Uh, yeah. Whatever went on in those first two seasons is unnecessary to uh, the very clear story that they set up at the beginning of that season. It, it was interesting to watch the red letter media guys because like they were not happy with one and two. And like you, if you looked at the thumbnails for each time they'd review episodes, they would get a deteriorate. Like the more they hated it, their eyes would get like flames and deteriorated. <laughs> so like that was their symbolism. And then you look at the thumbnails for Picard and you're like, mm -hmm. and then you get to like the final where they're reviewing the final episode. Like, like, yeah, no notes, no yeah. notes. Great. <laughs> you know? Wow. Uh, um, so this was yeah. good. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I have no Picard thoughts. So finish finish your Picard thoughts. Oh yeah, I was just gonna give the the showrunner for this, who is really deserves, I think, um, a uh, a big shout out. Um, but he's been working in the uh, working on the Star Trek stuff for years. Uh, Terry Metalis, right? And Metalis has actually been is in canon as a name of a planet and stuff. Oh, and so, uh, yeah, he worked on Twelve Monkeys and MacGyver, which never really caught my attention on that, but. Uh, Man, did he do a good job on this? And so he was a writer on Star Trek Enterprise, you know, so he had some history there. So uh, I thought he did a fantastic job, was really, really happy with it, enjoyed it. And it was just neat to see the cast. Ed Spieler, by the way, Ed Spieler's who plays a character. Uh, he was in Down Abbey, um, really good, like really, really good. He was in, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of him. Um, because he's a very charismatic, likable actor, and I think he's got a lot of potential. Nice. Star Trek Picard. Uh, he, uh, here's a pick. 
I love this show and I thought about it because there's a line in the most recent episode where a character is trying to make nice with another more powerful character and he says, uh, oh, you remember me from Sun Valley. We were making fun of Sundar's cargo shorts. Uh, and that is Succession. Hey. Uh, since we had Sundar Pichai in our in our AI clip that we played from uh, uh, 60 Minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, it made me think of that. Uh, this season of Succession, uh, extraordinary. It's amazing. I just love all these characters. It is uh, going to be very, very uh, uh, annoying to have them not in my life. I just like spending time with them. Yeah. Also, I found out this week that uh, the showrunner for Succession is a former Thick of It writer, which makes a lot of sense when you think of Succession in the same vein as uh, thick of it, which then was Americanized with Veep, but like that level of of the constant sniping in a hierarchy uh, driven world where everybody is scratching and clawing to to get one rung higher is it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but uh, yeah, succession rules. It keeps ruling. It will rule until it stops ruling. It's great, and they got a good concept going in this final season. I think they're they're landing the plane. They're trying to land this plane. Yes. I, mean, and I think it's going to be great. Uh, I got two picks for you. Go. Uh, last weekend, I, I lost my entire Saturday playing this game. It was made oh, for gee. me. Oh, your Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Huh? Uh, uh, it uh, is uh, a open world murder mystery game called Paradise Killer. Um, it is very different than other murder mystery games I've played in that it is uh actually open world like there's not uh you know when you play phoenix right it's very much like you got to find the next clue and you can't move on until you not find the yeah. right clue this is the opposite of it like you're on an island you're talking to people you're trying to put things together and the game itself is putting these facts together you know you say oh this person wasn't here and this thing happened at here oh i bet and so it, the, the game is like kind of meeting you halfway um, uh, so, so you have that open world exploration element. And then the other interesting thing, this is a, this is, I'm, I'm not spoiling anything. Um, when you actually do, there's a, there's are you a, really not spoiling? I'm or really are you saying not. it like Brian does where he immediately spoils. No, things. I'm actually not going okay. to spoil it. There's, there's a court case you're building up. But you, you see, Justin, it's not a spoiler. Cause I already saw it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not spoiling anything, but the main character dies. <laughs> this is none of that. So you're, don't worry. You see that in the first hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is you're building up to this court case. And so you get to decide after however long exploring the island, you want to start the court case. You get to just say, I've got ah, enough facts. Shit. Oh, Let's go. that's pretty cool. And the and then you can either succeed or fail, and then I assume retry it if you if you screw up. Yeah. And they cool. so it, it's really interesting that way. You're not railroaded into one exact way that the world goes. And along the way, it's you know, there's all these there's really nice character illustrations. They do voiceovers and things. Um, and it has this very strong, like, um, vaporwave aesthetic to it. There's a lot of the, the, um, you know, the Roman architecture, but then blood and space gods and obelisks and demons. And there's a skeleton guy. Um, I, I, I really dig this. I like murder mystery things. And I felt, I was just shocked at the end of this that I, that I was like, oh, this is completely different from every other type of way that I've seen these games be presented. So um, big, I, like, you're like, I was shocked at the end of this as you spoil it for Justin. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. But uh, uh, Paradise Killer, that's uh, a really solid one. And then uh, my other selfish pick is um, uh, LFG Marbles. We're back with season six. We're on Thursdays now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking so, of Wave. Uh, so 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays uh, here on twitch.tv slash night attack. Check out the website marbles.win for more information. Thank you. Sweet. Uh, one post pick. Uh, I finally went back. I've been meaning to do this for a long time, and I rewatched Devs. Oh, Bryce hates that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Bryce hates um, Devs. It <laughs> was it interesting to never let it die. Never let it Bryce die. hates Devs. How was it going and watching this three years later? So the difference is, when I first watched this, I had begun to work remotely for a very mysterious high tech company. <laughs> <laughs> and now 
working on things of which I wasn't sure what they were doing or what was going on. Maybe questioning if the person on the other side of the video call was a person. Uh, Yep. Now I work at in person at an AI company. (laughs) So, so now everyone thinks you're generated. (laughs) Possibly, possibly. Mm. So, but it was interesting because I remember when I first started watching devs, anyhow, spooky garlic, Alex Garland, you know, about, tech, whatever, and right when Mr. Pandemic had started and I'm working to begin working remotely to open AI, and it was just a... Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I, I do kind of want to go back to devs and give it a second a second run through, especially knowing where it goes. Good. Feed the bit <laughs> yeah. more. Love this yeah. For me, it was like watching the Friday the 13th and saying, I'm going to go work at a campground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go work at the hockey mask store. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been weird. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.